It's a pleasure to be joined this morning by Enzio von File, a capital preservation specialist at Financial Shield. Good morning, Enzio. Good morning, Stephen. Great to have you on the show again. And Richard Bullock, who is portfolio manager of the Newton Fixed Income Team at BNY Mellon Investment Management. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Stephen. Great to have you both on the show today. So let's click off, kick off rather with the China market, which is enjoying a bit of a bounce, or certainly after the last two days. But do you think that bounce has legs? We've had two days of growth, but do you think the support for the market means it's fully turned the corner? Richard? Um, so clearly the measures that are being taken are to shore up confidence into Chinese New Year. And yesterday's um, move by the leadership in China to change the, the head of the China Securities Regulatory Commission yeah. was, was a fundamental step as well. Um, my personal view on this is that uh, China needs to see fundamental reforms um, to its economy. Um, it needs to see policy being more um, supportive for investors and that these are really just, um, you know, band-aids over, um, over the problems. And so, a kind of sustained recovery in the market is unlikely, notwithstanding that, you know, there can be um, a, a bit of a um, bounce just in, in the near term, um, just, just because sentiment has become so negative. OK, so you mentioned the change of the China Securities Regulatory Commission, the head, um, to Yi Weiman. Um, are you familiar with Yi at all and, and think this is a good move? Well, he's considered to be um, somewhat of a, um, a, a hard man. He's, um, I think his nickname is the Broker Butcher um, <laughs> from reports that I've read. I mean, the implication here is that the previous head of the commission was too soft and, um, and therefore, um, you know, there were securities and market malpractices going on that, you know, the... Um, Authorities in China, the leadership in China thinks is is part, partly responsible for the for the market sell off. Um, so they're bringing in someone who uh, can have more authority and sway and, and um, power over over the um, over the securities industry. Um, I think the reality is that um, you know investors buy stocks because they're confident about the macro outlook and about the earnings profile, and um, you know cha- changing. Um, uh, the the leadership of a regulator is is a short term measure, but it's not uh, g- going to resolve fundamental issues. Yeah, well, the broker butcher sounds like a horror film, actually, but maybe that's what they need. Um, Enzio, now the press is giving the impression that China's problems are cyclical, but I believe yes. you disagree. Yes, I actually agree with with Richard that there are more structural issues at hand. My key structural pet peeve is actually what they call party state capitalism, whereby basically the party, not the government, but the party already has itself anyway in individual private companies. That's old news. The new news is that the these cells are getting an increasingly active role within the companies which they're situated in. For instance, there's something called a special management share, whereby um, it's a class of equity shares with higher voting rights or special governance power per share, per party person. So the party person basically going into a company has, despite having a low shareholding, has very high voting rights and can really sway the company. For instance, at ByteDance, Weibo, those things already have happened in that place. 
They were granted one director seat each on their boards. They had 1% share, but they got to really have huge political party influence. I answered to emphasize party influence over these companies, and that is going to intensify. That, I think, is the real reason for this massive sell-off, because the other news, Sony economy, da-da-da, we've already been through, um, but I think this is the big, this has been the big change in my mind. So, and I'm not particularly optimistic on this very structural problem. So when investors, and this is a warning shot, investors don't buy on cyclical cash injections other than if you're absolutely ready and at the, really at the ready to get out at a moment's notice because this you're playing with fire. Mm. So you need to be alert then um, right. to spot that moment, which most people wouldn't have the time to do. And that's very interesting about that share ownership. I actually think that is what's putting a lot of foreign investors off. It's interesting that it's not being reported in the press as such. The press goes on about the cyclical issues that we all know about with the, with, with the property, which is more structural, but I mean, also just with the, with the economy, with the downturn, the lacking consumption, all that. But I really think that at the end of the day, it's about this one, the, this party state capitalism, which is that's the new kid on the block, this this 1% ownership, the, the power wielded by these party officials and that, that they're using their power. It's something that Lyndon Johnson taught us in the States years ago. There's no point in having power if you don't exercise it. Well, they, the Chinese have learned the lesson from Lyndon Johnson. That's very, and as you say, the media, it's, it's, it's not very commonly known. Um, I certainly didn't realize that oh. so as always Enzio you're in education so really uh, appreciate your thoughts well thank you um, but let's move on now to Trump's tariff tantrums they're oh. back um, yes. what do you think we could expect if he gets back in in November Enzio I didn't quite catch the question, whether he'll get back in or what? Well, no. he, he's, he's um, raging about tariffs and wanting to put them back in place at the moment. So um, I'm wondering what you think will happen if he does get back in in November. Um, is okay. it going to be another load of tariffs and what impact would that have? Oh, he, he, he's a bit of a golfer, which I most certainly am not. Last time he tried this stunt, last, it was a 250 during his first term back in 2017 to 21 he the tariff tantrum was worth 250 billion dollars it cost 245,000 jobs and lot and the americans lost 195 hmm. billion in spending power way to go donald um so now that's only at the low tariff thing if he puts in 60 percent multiply that by about a factor of three and you've got a wonderful tee off don't you Wow. Do you think the voters just do not realise this, the impact it actually has on themselves, or they're so focused on having a negative impact on the mainland? All politics are domestic. That was Tip O'Brien many, many yeah. years ago. And as you know, and I think that what's happened is that with the, with the Democrats having, and I'm not anti-Democrat or pro-Republican or anything, just, just seeing it from abroad yes. now these days, that... Um, with the Democrats having mucked up so many local states, the looting of California, Oregon, where I lived for years, Washington State, I believe, that people can buy, can get, can just loot for $1,000 and get away scot-free. 
That, of course, has not gone down well with the sort of the, the, the grounded middle classes in America, totally understandably. So Trump has already feeding ground. So I'm not, I'll confess, I'm not pro-Trump, but I can see that I can see his appeal because of this mess that some yeah. Democrat governors and, and mayors have created. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Richard, do you have anything to add to that? Any thoughts? Yeah, so Trump has said that um, he wants to impose 10% tariffs broadly on U.S. imports from all countries. Yeah. So this is not just targeting China. Yeah. Um, but my, my interpretation is that he, you know, he's playing to a domestic audience ahead of the election. Um, we're in a different world now from 2016, 2017. Uh, Trump has seen um, the you know, inflation damage that, that's been inflicted under the Biden administration, um, you know, what that's meant for, um, for voter confidence, for economic confidence in the current administration. Um, Trump's measures would be inflationary if he were to do that. And so I think he's going to be more nuanced. Uh, than what he's saying. Hmm. Um, I, I think the way that Trump will um, execute domestic macro policy will be more about deregulation rather than um, pure protectionism. And what I mean by that is he'll roll back quite a lot of the executive measures that the Biden administration's put in place on certain industries. Um, Yes, he'll encourage more FDI into the U.S., especially in the semiconductor industry. I think that's, um, you know, there's a race to um, become as independent as possible over, over the next four or five years um, to reduce dependence on, uh, on the Far East. Um, so, you know, there's a number of other measures. I, I don't think, um, given how tight U.S. labor markets are right now and the inflation experience we've had, that... Um, you know, tr- tr- Trump will, um, you know, uh, be flexible with, with um, you know, the, the, the backdrop. He's not, I don't believe him to be, um, you know, absolutely rigid. So I think his policies will evolve somewhat from from four or five years ago. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's interesting, but people just do not learn from history, it seems. Um, to your point, Enzio, about what damage it caused the last time. Um, I don't think that's going to impact uh, whether it happens again I or not. I'm going to take that one step further. I, I call it the arrogance of ignorance. And what I mean by that is they don't want to learn from history. They know the history. Trump is very, very street smart in my mind, but he doesn't want to learn from history. And I think that's, a, that's, that's the danger of this. Yeah. Maybe thinks he's special and history doesn't repeat oh, itself when it comes so. to him. Honestly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Walks on water. Anyway, um, Richard, I've got a million dollar question for you here. And I'm sure you'd have a million dollars if somebody gave you a dollar for every time it was asked. When can we expect a rate cut from the Fed? Well, I wish I had a million dollar answer for you. <laughs> yes. But um, all I can say is that the you know US data has been very hot recently, which has pushed back rate cuts timing expectations you know we saw the the red hot um, january jobs number on friday last week we've seen surveys from the ism for both services and manufacturing indicating you know ongoing expansion strong new orders um so i think as we entered 2024 uh, the market was expecting around 150 basis points of rate cuts for this year from the fed now that's been paired back to or about 120 basis points already. 
I think what's going to happen is um, the bond market is going to price more rate cuts out in the coming weeks and months because the data is likely to stay strong. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm kind of inclined to believe what, what the Fed is saying, that you know the dot plot um, that was released la- last time suggests three cuts this year. And I think that's more realistic. So the market's pricing in the first cut uh, to be yeah. in May with about 80% probability. I think June is more likely for the first one. I okay. think it'll give the Fed a bit more time to assess um, all the incoming data. You know, clearly Powell's press conference um, two weeks ago uh, suggested that um, they're still not confident that inflation is coming down and staying down at that 2% level, which they need to be. So they're going to be data dependent. Uh, but for me, it's June is the first cut. Are you aligning Denzio, June? I think even a bit later, I think that he okay. wants to, doesn't want to repeat mistakes that the Fed has made many of, that's being a Monday morning quarterback, of course. Mm. I think he probably took his cue from Sinatra's Easy Does It, mm. which don't go fast. Um, I think there's a lot of supply-side inflation. The tight labor markets that Richard correctly was mentioning, part of that is because people just don't want to work. So, of course, there are not enough workers around. Surprise, surprise. So, guess what? Wages go up. We all know that, that sort of strain of thought. Um, the thing that I would warn of is what my mother-in-law always warned me of, Years and years ago, that when they do cut rates, of course, the when rates are low, the wrong people get rich. So at present, we're having a lot of wealth being created. But once they cut the rates, you'll find a lot of sort of bad people coming back to the fore and making an awful lot of money very, very illegally, which which is something. I mean, that's that's yeah. 2025's problem. But to your question, I think it's more towards the end of the year myself. But who knows? I think the Fed's on the right course with queuing from Frank Sinatra, easy does it. Well, your mother-in-law is a very wise woman, Enzio, so I'm hoping yes, we yes. can get her on to the, yes. <laughs> the show soon. Yes. Anyway, thank you both um, for your input today. That's um, Enzio von Feil, Capital Preservation Specialist at Financial Shield, and Richard Bollock, who's Portfolio Manager of the Newton Fixed Income Team at BNY Mellon. Pleasure to having you on today. And today's 